Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 272. I'm your host, Blaine Putby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Good morning. So we are recording live on YouTube uh, on August 21st at 11.30 Atlantic, 10.30 Eastern. Uh, and this week, a couple things happened. A couple, you know, nothing... Nothing that would help the franchise shape itself for the next two to three years, you know, not like a trade or uh, a franchise goaltender essentially ending his career. Nothing like that. Well, according to Chantal McAvee, they're not talking retirement right now. Well, we'll get into the Carey Price (laughs) stuff later. What I wanted to do was start with the trade. So the Canadians go out and spend 27 hours trading for Sean Monaghan from the Calgary Flames. Now, it was announced that he was going to Montreal, but nobody knew for what and what was going back and forth or anything for about six hours after the trade. And judging by the conditions that were attached to that first-round pick that are going to Montreal from Calgary so that Montreal would take Monaghan's contract, that made sense. Well, it did. Those conditions are, uh, they were put in place by NASA using the uh, top uh, uh, geniuses of our time to uh, sort it all out. Um, So I think, yeah, I think that's what took a lot of time figuring out because if we'll get into what the pick, the conditions are, but if the pick goes one way, then there's other conditions on top of a, the Florida pick. So they had to really dive into this big oh, yeah. conspiracy theory, mathematical equation of conditions. Cap friendly was really busy. <laughs> oh yeah. This is essentially what it would be if you were to write conditions for a trade uh, to put on the show, ancient aliens on history channel. <laughs> I think uh, actually, I think they had to go to the pyramids and read the hydroglyphics to see what the conditions were from, you know, back in 686 BC. Um, well, that is one of the conditions. That's how you do the, it's a scavenger hunt. You, you find <laughs> you find some ancient alien technology in Egypt that you, you Indiana Jones your way over to some random crevice in Africa 
to take you to Australia and then you fly to, I don't know, some temple of doom where you, where you, you rip some guy's heart out of this chest, but inside the heart, there's another note that takes you back. You know, it's just one of those things. What's that? That brings me up to a question. What Montreal Canadiens player would make a good Indiana Jones? Mm. A little off topic. Uh, yeah. Out of left field. I like it. I like it. Good Indiana Jones. It's a tough one. Uh, who looks good in a fedora? I'm going to go with Josh Anderson. Okay. Okay. Actually, he's more of a Chris Pratt, I would think. I think he's more of a... Yeah. Yeah, he's more of a... More of a ga- Guardian of the Galaxy type. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That'd be a good um, one. Can't be Gallagher. Chris short. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You, I can see him swinging along some, uh, around something with a with a whip. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Chris Weidman. That's a good choice. He's more of that workaday look. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And Cole Caulfield could be short round. <laughs> Yes, he can. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so a little bit back on topic. Um, all right, so the Canadians pick up Sean Monahan. They pick up a first-round pick along with Sean Monahan, and unfortunately, the Canadians had to give up something very special, uh, something that's near and dear to all our hearts, and that is um, future considerations. I, I just oh. want to. I want to say thank you to Future Considerations for everything he's done for the franchise. We are going to miss you. That, that you It's a huge loss. Always be in our hearts. It's a huge mm-hmm. loss. Uh, it is, yeah. I had my Future Considerations jersey, like I just got a couple weeks ago. And, I hate uh, when that happens. Now he's gone. Actually, technically, every jersey I have, except for my new Suzuki one, they're pretty much all gone now. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, great do? kiss of death. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> all right so on to the conditions i'm going to read these things because i'm going to be honest i'm still trying to figure it out it's been a couple of days i'm still trying to nail down how this is going to work but essentially the canadians get a first round pick it's just not going to be 2023 so right. first condition well, it, it could be uh no oh i thought it could be no it can't no it can't this was all basically so that Calgary can protect their 2023 pick. All right. Okay, everyone, set aside a couple hours. This is going to be a walk. Get a coffee, maybe a beer. Better if you, yeah, you know what? You're better to be drunk to listen to this. I should have been drunk to read this. But anyway, first condition. In the event Calgary's own 2024 first is selection 20 to 32 inclusive, following the determination of the 2024 NHL draft lottery results, then Montreal shall have the option exercisable until 48 hours prior to the start of the 2024 draft to exchange the conditional 2025 or 2026 first round choice to become Calgary's own 2024 first round choice. So basically the Habs can choose to have a 20 to 32 pick in 2024. If Florida's 2025 first round choice transfers to Calgary pursuant to the conditions on that earlier trade. So you're going to have to do an addendum Annex A to go research that. I'm not going to go through it. Uh, so you, you, that, you know, uh, only that pick if Calgary holds it. I have it here. It's uh okay, go ahead. 
if lottery it's lottery protected so if florida is a lottery team at the conclusion of the 24-25 season calgary receives florida's 2026 first round pick which takes us to condition number two <laughs> in the event the conditions to trigger trigger montreal's option as noted in condition one above does not occur or montreal declines to exercise this option the following conditions will prevail if both Calgary's own 2025 first-round choice and Florida's 2025 first-round choice, as previously acquired by Calgary, are not in the top 10 selections of the 2025 NHL draft following the determination of the 25 draft lottery results, then Montreal shall receive the either one of the two stated choices or B. If Calgary's own 2025 first-round choice is a top-10 selection and Florida's 2025 first-round selection, previously acquired by Calgary, is outside of the top-10, following the determination, yeah, blah, 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 Montreal shall receive Florida's 2025 first-round choice. So, essentially, if Montreal turns down the 2024 pick in the following year, Calgary's pick is in the top-10, but Florida's isn't, Montreal gets Florida's pick. If both are outside the top 10, then Montreal gets Calgary's pick. Or the, isn't it the highest pick? The higher of the two picks, yeah. Correct, yeah. Now, can, further on to that, uh, if Florida's 2025 first-round choice does not transfer to Calgary, the if in the event the conditions to trigger that transfer doesn't occur if florida's own 2025 first round choice is not in the top 10 selections oh wait holy geez no it has to be in the top 10 to not transfer it has to be in the top 10 yeah uh okay if calgary's own holy shit this is long you can how can you tell a lawyer wrote this shit <laughs> my god Okay, if Florida's own 2025 first-round choice is not in the top 10 of the 2025 NHL draft and Florida's 2025 first has been transferred to another NHL club and Florida's 2025 first-round draft position is better than Calgary's, Calgary's 2025 first-round draft position, then Calgary's will transfer their own. 2025 fourth round choice to Montreal. So essentially, if Calgary finishes, I, I think uh, they get the, the top ten. They don't have Florida's pick. Montreal, they get, Montreal gets their following season's first round choice plus a fourth. Uh, if Calgary's own 2025 first is a top ten selection, Montreal shall receive Calgary's 2025 first round choice, subject to the following conditions. The first round selection, the first, yeah, first round selection, if it is first overall in the 2025 NHL draft, following determination, blah, 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 if they win the lottery, Calgary will retain that choice. And Montreal shall receive Calgary's own 2025 third and a conditional 2026 first round choice. Montreal shall receive the better of Calgary's 2020, uh, 2026 first or Florida's 2026 first. Holy shit. So, so essentially, 
they got to pick somewhere in the next 50 years and it's either <laughs> Calgary's or Florida's. And if it's anything but first overall, uh, they have a shot at it. Unless it's Florida's, then it's anything outside the top 10. They have a shot of it if Calgary in 2025, if Calgary's in the bottom yeah. 10. Unless it's first overall. So if it's second overall, they still get the pick. Yeah. So the best case scenario is for Montreal to wait out until 2025, have Calgary take a just a giant dump in the 24 season, uh, finish the top three and get that pick. No problem. Either way, in 2025 or 2026, Montreal gets a first round pick. Or 2024. Uh, right, 2024. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if so, Calgary, say, finishes out of the playoffs next year, and they're a top 20 pick, Montreal can say, oh, well, we'll take the, we'll take that pick, and we're picking top 20. Yeah. Essentially, they were paid a first-round pick somewhere in the next couple years, if for, and this was done to protect the 2023 draft pick for Calgary, because it, it's fairly clear now that the, uh, NHL GM see 2023 as a very deep prospect pool. So nobody wants to give up those picks right now. Which which will be interesting. We're going to get into this later, the trade deadline. Yeah. So uh, sticking with the Monaghan deal. Yeah. So Monaghan is now with the Canadians. Uh, He has had a wrist surgery, both hips uh, surgically repaired. Uh, in back-to-back seasons. I think it was his left hip this past April. Uh, He had his press conference, uh, and he mentioned that he is in the best physical shape that he feels he's been in in several years. So he's going to... The expectation is that he will be able to play sometime in early November. I mean, Canadians aren't expected to do anything good this year i mean outside of picking in the top 10 i don't the expectation is not there so he's coming into the perfect scenario for someone coming off a major injury he is he can he can slide in easily uh there's no pressure on him there's no uh you know this comment i i believe he's going to be there and this is just my thought to help doc in the uh in the center position um I don't think he's staying with the team. I know uh, uh, first he's going to miss, miss the first month of the season, maybe the first month in a bit. Um, okay. Unless he comes back a little early, but like you, like I've read the same thing. It looks like early November is when he, he, he's going to be due to come back. Um, there's five centers uh, that Montreal has. So someone's moving to the wing. Uh, however, there's also 37 wingers. Um, so, yeah. you know, Paul Byron's going to be out to at least Christmas, maybe the entire year. We're not sure where his hip, we're actually not even sure where Byron is. There's been no word, but we know his hip's bad. So, uh, yeah, and my, my expectations, he's out probably until Christmas time, judging I, by I, what he had done. Yeah. I figure it's the same as last year out till Christmas. And then, uh, after yeah. Christmas, we'll see, see where he's at. Um, so Montreal really has a log jam at wings, and now they have a log jam at center, something that they didn't have last year at center. They had not enough centers, so now they have too many. Um, but uh, I think Monahan, I think it's a good move by Montreal, an expiring contract. Um, 
So they're not obligated to any more years after this year. Uh, there's six million over the cap, but uh, Price's LTIR and Byron's LTIR is going to cover that. Um, so they're not too worried about that. They still got to sign Doc. Primo got to be signed, but his money would be buried in the AHL anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I believe Monahan's there to help Doc along. He's insurance in case Doc, because we know Doc has an issue with faceoffs. Um, uh, he was thirty-eight yeah, I mean, percent. I think that was more physical. That was more physical because of his wrist. They rushed him Correct. back. Now Correct. with a little uh, with an off season, maybe that's improved. But I mean, if you have Monahan working with Doc, maybe throw him on the same line. You know, you can. Yeah. You know, if Doc's struggling at the face-off circle, you throw Monahan and throw Doc because Doc did play wing for the Chicago at the end last year. Um, but I think they want Doc to be their center. They want to they want to develop him as a center, and I think it's good to have yeah. a uh, a good defensive face-off center to uh, to guide him along. I think that's a great idea. Now, with Monahan, um, best case scenario is that he comes back one hundred percent healthy. And he starts to produce again. Now, by produce, I don't mean the 80-point center that he used to be. I'm talking more like a 50 to 60-point guy. I think that's the best-case scenario, absolute best case. At that point, the choice is, do you flip him for another first-round pick, or do you keep him on a long-term deal? I mean, I notice a lot of people on Facebook saying, hey, we got a center, let's keep him, but let's pump the brakes. He, listen, he, they're not going to grab an expiring contract so they can extend him, especially a guy who's going to turn 29 next. He's 28 this October. He'll be 29 next October to start the season. He's hitting his 30s. He's going to want at least a five year contract, at least, right? Yeah. Uh, so now you're looking at a guy that you're going to have an injury prone center who's not what he used to be uh, playing until he's 34. Um, or sign until he's 34, if it's a five-year contract. At $6 million, he's going to take, he's going to have to take a pay cut no matter where he goes. It's not really going to be, yeah, but I if he has a lights out to... season, if he has a lights out season, yeah. he's like, Hey, I'm back. My injuries are over. I'm the same guy I used to be. It's just Montreal right now has too many 28 and over guys signed to long-term contracts. They don't need another one. Uh no. No, and I think the whole idea of this move um, is essentially asset management. They got paid oh, a first to time. take on the contract. Yeah, If they rehabilitate him and he's doing well, I would say it's 99.9999% sure that they flip him at the deadline. Now, I'm leaving a little bit of leeway there, and not very much, that they sign him to keep him. Just because, you know, life is unpredictable. But let's be honest. The the more obvious decision is to flip him. It's the same as the Dadanov scenario. They they got Dadanov from yeah. Vegas just so they can have assets to trade at the deadline. Uh, they're in a rebuild. They're not looking at, uh, they're assessing the players they have now. Um, they don't want, they, they don't have any room to keep any almost 30-year-old players if they want to bring in their young guys in. You have Jan Mysak, who's probably closer to the NHL than everyone realizes. Um, he's a center. You got Jake Evans. You got Doc. You got Suzuki, right? Um, you got Dvorak. So, I mean, Dvorak's 26. He's, uh, you know, he's still in his prime. 
Um, so you already have five centers possibly next year, uh, throwing another six, one who's close to 30 just doesn't make any sense for a rebuilding team. And also you think about it, the 2023 draft in the top 10, the top 10 right now projected out of those 10 first top 10 picks, uh, seven of them are centers. Yep. So it's very likely that the Canadians add another center to their prospect pool, someone who's maybe a year or two away. So why would you try to jam it up? Not to mention, you look like you mentioned the log jam at forward. Why keep these guys when you have people in the, in the minors that you can just call up? Exactly. I mean, you have guys, you have wingers now like Armia and Huffman and that you're looking for people to take them. Like, we need room here. Like, how's how's a guy like Yelonen or uh, uh, Maser Masar, the other first round pick there? Uh, yeah, Masar. Yeah, Masar. You got Yelonen, Masar, uh, Harvey, uh, Pinard. Harvey Pinard. You got these guys that are going to be looking for spots in the uh, in the NHL, and there's just no room for them. There's absolutely no room. Um, so. I don't, I don't see it. I just don't see the logic and extending Mon- even if Monaghan breaks out and has an 80 point season over 70 games or whatever it will be. Um, I just don't see them keeping them. I, I just don't. Let's, and that's, that's assuming that he is willing to sign a contract with the Canadians to stay yeah. on board yeah. during a rebuild. If, if he does break out, you know, a, a decent season shows that he's healthy again. You, you kind of have to flip them. I mean, that that's your best case scenario. The next mid, mid-range scenario is he, he's meh. He's just kind of meh. He's good on face-offs. He can help the younger guys. He spends that, that, the, the bulk of the season helping out there. But he's not really producing all that much. Well, you still flip him at that point. You get whatever you can for him. Whatever that may be, it doesn't matter. You just move on. So now you pick up two assets for future considerations. Again, we're going to miss you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and this, like I, like you said, and I've said, and I've argued it with a couple people on Twitter who still think if he has an excellent season, we need to extend him. I, I don't see where you, I don't get it. I don't get that logic. Um, because the ass, you know, this the assets he's going to bring, especially if you can get an extra 2023 first round pick. Because the 2023 first round pick, mind you, we say this every year, uh, the 2023 first round pick is going to be deep, and it's not just the until, top until we get to April, and it's going to be horrible. Yeah, well, actually, they've been saying for the past two years now that this is going to be a deep draft. There's like, and we're not just talking 10 to 15; we're talking the entire, almost the entire first round is going to be good picks um so you know montreal's just going to pile up on young prospects now i don't think they're going to go after draft picks for everyone they get rid of um i think we're going to get into that later but uh yeah if they can get one or two more first round picks i mean that's something bergevin didn't do bergevin never really got first round picks he got a lot of second round picks and third round picks but he was never able to manage in fifth yeah but he was never able like i mean oh bergevin got 13 picks and yeah but they're all second round and below like he only still only had that one first round pick but it looks like uh 
they want to do the rebuild correctly. And if they want to do the rebuild correctly, signing on a almost 30 guy to a 30 year old injury prone guy to an extension is not the way to do it. It's poor asset management. I agree. I, I agree. Um, and, and here's the worst case scenario for this deal. Worst case, he comes back, he plays like absolute garbage. Monaghan can't do anything. He is essentially a $7 million fourth line winger. He's on an iron contract, and it's a team that it just really isn't expecting to do much. So there's no damage. And they didn't give up anything for him. As a matter of fact, they gained a first round pick. And I think that's exactly. why they wanted the first round pick in the deal. A, yeah. in case Monaghan doesn't play, maybe his hip, you know, maybe his injury's a lot worse. Yeah. Or maybe he has a setback and he doesn't play. And two, if he plays and he's trash and he just doesn't get it going, they're like, well, see ya. Good luck in the off season. <laughs> yeah, we just did Calgary a solid to take yeah. on that cap hit, which I want to I want to point out, Brad Tree Living has done an amazing job this summer. Oh. Like, unbelievable. One week he lost everyone, and the next week he gained it all back. I mean, he's no Kyle Dubas, but he's done a great job. He did give up a first to get rid of a guy, though. Kyle Dubas has done that twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in but when he did it, what was he picking up in return? He, he was wasn't picking, picking up, up a, Kadri. He, he was cut. Yeah, he was picking up Kadri. When Kyle Dubas did, he didn't pick up anything. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's just, doing it so he can keep the guys on his roster yeah yeah exactly no one would be good for toronto instead of having an 11 million dollar Tavares, they could have a seven million dollar cadre and a four million dollar defenseman yeah or winger yeah just, just throwing that out there <laughs> or four million dollars to fill their bottom six you, you know technicalities I'm not saying that watching them fail in the first round every year has been absolutely hilarious, but no, no, I'm saying that. I'm saying it's been funny, and, and I'm hoping it continues. But anyway, good on Brad Tree Living for what he has done. Uh, they, I think he has extended their window uh, from going from playoff disappointment and losing two key pieces to what they have now on hand. I think they're better. I think they are too. Uh, their their center is going to be well. They got Kadri, so yeah, yeah. I guess they're they're if not better, they're at least the same. Um, what hurt them in the I playoffs? Was, on the wing. What hurt them in the playoffs with defense and goaltending, which was shocking because Markstrom's a good goalie. Um, yeah, he just had a he just had a bad playoffs. Like he couldn't stop he couldn't stop a beach ball. Uh, which was good for Edmonton because neither could Mike Smith. So, uh, yeah, it's that. That's all that happened to them. So, if Markstrom can return to form in the playoffs, like he was in the regular season, they have a chance. They have, they have a chance to be a, a contender, especially in the West. It's kind of wide open right now. You know, Colorado is taking a little bit of a step back. Not not a huge one, but a little bit. Um, so that opens things up for Calgary a bit. Uh, Vegas has no goaltending. <laughs> So, I don't know what Vegas is going to do. You know, you know what? I, I hope they lose, but finish just outside the top 10 because finish 15th because they deserve it. <laughs> um, all right. So 
back to the Canadians. We're going to talk a little bit about the deadline. But before we do, when you're acquiring a great tasting beer, check out Boxing Rocks, Puck Off Loggerdale. Uh, Boxing Rock is a brewery based in Shelburne, Nova Scotia. Uh, if you are anywhere near an NSLC and soon a New Brunswick Liquor Commission or PEI, you'll be able to pick up a case of a delicious Boxing Rock Loggerdale, which really, really helps you finish off that beer league hockey game where you got your pocket picked and some really young punk made you look like absolute garbage. Puck off Loggerdale makes you forget that for a moment. Also, uh, no name hockey. If you want to have custom equipment that makes you slightly better, not faster, but a better shot at the very least, and look good, no name hockey can provide you the custom equipment that you need at, at very low prices. So check them out. No name hockey. Use Habs 10 to get a 10% discount. Now, trade deadline. Sell, sell, sell. Well, they have five expiring contracts at the trade deadline. At least three of those, under the proper conditions, can bring you a first-round pick. Two for sure. Dadanoff. Dadanoff, who consistently plays at a third line, consistently is a top third line player who can who can pop up in the top six when you need be. He can score you 20, 20 goals. Guy. He yeah. he's responsible defensively. Uh he'd be great for any team in the playoffs. I'm not saying he's a first round, but if he plays, if Lekkonen can get you a top prospect, a first round type prospect, Dadanov can as well. Um yeah, I can see that if he's on his pace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Jake Allen. The goaltending the situation in NHL, well, look at the goaltending situation in the NHL right now. Dallas is looking for a goalie. Arizona's looking for a goalie. Vegas is looking for a goalie. Even though my last article I said Nashville Predators, I meant Vegas Golden Knights. Um, <laughs> um, uh, they, all, I mean, Vegas is desperate. Come the trade deadline with injuries and slumps and stuff not working out, a goalie is going to be a high, high asset going into the playoffs. Um, this is probable could bring in a first round pick. I'm yeah, not saying they yeah. will. I'm with saying the right it's conditions. probable with yeah. the right conditions. And then, of course, you have Monaghan, depending on how well he plays. Uh, like I said, if he returns to form, if he's even if he's a 50 point guy who's 52 to 55 percent the faceoff dot def- responsible defensively, he could fetch a first round pick. The thing is, is I don't see Hughes getting all first round picks Um, or even if he has a chance to, I don't see him trying to get because no one I'll tell you right now, even the playoff contending teams don't really want to give up their 2023 first round pick. No, and that's why I'm thinking maybe if he can get a first in 24, sure, but I think he'll probably be leaning towards picking up the first round pick type prospects like he did with Barry. Correct. Yeah. And, and I, I, that's what I think as well. I think he may go after one first round pick just to have the, uh, what do they have? Two first round picks now. 
2023? Montreal? Yeah. Yeah, because they have theirs in Florida, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So if they can get a third, uh, that'd be great. However, two first-round picks. I mean, it, what Arizona had three, I think, last year, three or four. Um, yeah. If they can get two, three, perfect, and then go after, you know, a a type prospects, uh, or even a second round pick with a B type prospect for uh, for you know, um, but if they go, I, I see a lot more of the Baron scenario than I do of the first round pick scenario going into the next year's trade deadline. Yeah, I can see, I can see if Monahan's healthy, getting something that high because he's a guy that. Uh, consistently when he's healthy, he attacks the middle of the ice. He's able to play on the power play in a bumper position, uh, plays net front. So these little, those little things can help him up his value. It's players like drooling that I'm really, really wondering what they can get for him. Like can, can they, if he's healthy, uh, get as much as a second round pick or more? It depends. Again, it depends on how Drew and if Drew is healthy. Now, the last two seasons, Drew has been missed a lot of time, but he was on yeah. a 50 point pace. Each of the last two seasons, if you played a full 82 game schedule, he's he's around 50 points. And for his career, he's a 48 point average on 82 games. Um, for five and a half million, that's actually on par for today's NHL. It's basically yeah, but the thing is he's got to be healthy for them to that, get him that's just to get anything from him. Now he says he's ready for next season. His wrist will never be the same. So he has to uh, change the way he plays a bit because of his wrist. Um, again, it's the, it's a Monahan situation. If Drew plays with all his skill and he's lights out and say, he gets us a 60 to 70 point season. You're looking at uh first round high draft pick type ass. Now this is ass. I'm not saying that's what they're going to get for him, but the least they're going to ask for it. Or maybe even a young uh, NHL established player who's, you know, around 25. Uh, Right-handed defenseman would be nice. Um, So again, it's all, if all these players play lights out, you have a potential for four first round picks if you want to ask for them. You're not going to get it, but you have the potential for that. Um, but even in the worst case scenario, like you said, they walk at the end of the season and you, uh, you continue on. Um, yeah, there's a lot of youth that's going to be moving up yeah. here really soon. The Canadians have a ton of draft, uh, draft assets. I mean, they got what, five first round picks in the next three years. Uh, mm-hmm. I think 11 top 90 picks overall in those three drafts. So you put in 42 already previously drafted prospects some of them are going to be on the nhl roster this year i mean it's not like the rebuild isn't already a little bit advanced so maybe it's time to start oh and whatever they get they can use later on in in trades to get what they need so you're you're not targeting you know right-handed defensemen in in a deal just get whatever you can the best possible thing you can and then try and get one later with some of those assets yeah i mean they're they don't have to draft every pick we didn't think they would draft as much as they did last year but hey whatever they they did yeah and uh yeah going forward i think montreal i'm looking at three years this being year two 
for Montreal to uh, the third years when I think they're going to start taking that step forward to uh, yeah to the playoffs. Like I'm not saying they're going to be a contender in three years. I'm saying that's when it's the same as the New York Rangers scenario. The New York Rangers pretty much started putting everything together the third year. Um, and uh, I don't see Jeff Gordon that it's working for Rangers. So why would Gordon, uh, Gordon started that rebuild? Why would he uh, do something different here in Montreal? But then again, it all depends on the young guys coming up. Slavoski and Caulfield and Suzuki start killing it. Um, you know, Primo ends up being that uh, goalie we thought he was going to be. Uh, uh, Gooley, Harris, Barron all take that step this year and show, you know, our defense isn't as bad as we thought it was. Um, you never know. You, 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 know, you, you never know. But even you if they know. don't just suddenly step in and become these things right away, if they're showing the progression Correct. towards yeah. that, uh, I think that's the, the main goal this year. I mean, that's, they kept uh, St. Louis is apparently really motivating the guys towards that goal. Yeah. They hired Robida, who is a player development uh, director for the Leafs. It, it seems to be the direction that the Canadians are taking, and it's to focus on development. Now, on the NHL roster, we're, we should take a look at the line combos. What do we think they're going to be? So why don't we start with the defense, because that's going to be fairly simple in comparison, because there's fewer defense. I think you're going to have Matheson, Savard as your first line. Uh, I, I can see that. Could Puck mover and yeah. a stay-at-home guy, yeah. yeah. Uh, Edmondson, and I want to say Barron, but I wouldn't be surprised if Barron's in Laval as well. Um, so it'll be him and maybe Schooneman, maybe, if he makes the team. And then your your fourth pairing, I think, will be Harris slash maybe Gooley with uh, Weidman. That's what I think it's going to be. Yeah. If Barron is being sent to Laval for more time, I can see Schumann being the fill-in because St. Louis seemed to really like him last season. And he's a guy that organizationally, whether he does well or not, he's he's essentially a fill-in. He is there to mark time. Uh, I think Weidman is an interesting player in that they kept him. He could help the power play. He could. I mean, he put up some decent points last year, but he's a guy who he had to battle his way back to the league. He's, he, he doesn't have the uh, traditional talent. You know, the guys that make the NHL usually have this one outstanding skill or multiple skills. And with him, nothing really sticks out. He's more of a guy that he's a, He's a work-a-day kind of player, a lunch pail guy. He works hard. So that's the kind of thing you want the young guys to see, yeah. the young guys to emulate. So I think that's an interesting uh, player to keep on the on the roster. And pairing him up with a young guy like Gooley or Harris, whoever stays, I think could work out, especially on that third pair where they're not exposed to top, top players, maybe throw them in on the power play. He, he, Ease the young guys in. I mean, I, I, and when it comes to the young guys, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, rotation. Uh, yeah. You're going to between Laval and uh, Montreal, unless Harris or Barron or Gooley, one of them just starts right from the get go being there. But I see a lot of like I'll see 
you know, if Harris is in and Gooley's not, I see Gooley going to Laval maybe for, and then Barron will come up and he'll get a few games in. And then, but, you know, they, they, they're, they don't need to be wavered. They don't need to be anything. It'll just be a matter of let's get, the, uh, maybe even uh, Arbor Jack guy gets a few games in when, when he, when he comes up uh, mm-hmm. last year, he had an excellent camp for Montreal. He was just, wasn't, they, they wanted to send him the OHL for more, uh, for more development, which was the right move. Um, but this year, who knows, maybe he, you know, if he can catch up to the speed of the NHL, uh, he could be your Romanoff replacement with a little bit less offensive skill, but, um, you know, cause he can hit, he's not afraid to drop the gloves. He's not afraid to, but, uh, he got some, he got some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not attitude change, but, uh, hockey smarts when it comes to when to drop the gloves and when to you know, be a pest. Um, and he'll be less likely to be penalized like he was in the OHL. The OHL has been cracking down on fights and right. on players playing that style of hockey. He's more of a throwback to the 90s in that he plays mean. He, he, when he hits, he hits to hurt. When he fights, he fights to hurt. It's kind of a throwback to those ni- 1990s type defenders. And, I mean, a, a guy like that in your bottom pair, with that kind of jam, if he can figure out the speed of the NHL, I think that's a good pickup yep. eventually. Um, but for the forwards, the big question is, where do you play Slavoski? I, I know everyone wants him on the line with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield. And that, I don't mind that at all, but now you're throwing him into the fire by him facing the top lines every night. Cause that's what, uh, I mean, unless St. Louis doesn't match lines um, or he does the old, uh, like back in the eighties and nineties, when they threw the third line out up against the top, uh, the top line when they could, because that was the defensive line. Um, but I see Slavoski doing what Suzuki did starting maybe on the third line and working his way up, depending on how well he plays. Uh, I have no issue with that. I have no issue with him starting in Laval. I have no issue with him starting in the OHL with uh, London, I believe it is, Windsor. Um, I I honestly don't think that's going to be an option. It's either Finland, Laval, or Montreal. Well, Montreal wants him to play in the north in North America and get used to North American ice. So, so more than likely Laval. If more he's than not, likely Laval. If, if he's, he's not, not going to be on the NHL roster, yeah. yeah. And, um, and he doesn't need nine games. I agree. He doesn't need, he can play more than nine games if he wants. He can play 15 games and they can decide to send him down to Laval. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, but, at that point, his first year is being burned off either way because he, yeah. he would be playing pro in the in Laval. It's the 40-game mark that they have to look for because at the 40-game mark in the NHL, that takes you one year closer to UFA. Correct. That's the That's the mark to watch. But I mean, if he, like I say, if he's killing it, if he's, uh, if he, if he's, I don't say killing it, like he doesn't need to be scoring, you know, 30 goals, 60 points. He just needs to not look out of place in the NHL. He just needs to look like he deserves to be there. Um, if he can do that, then he's going to stay on the roster and move his way maybe up to the first line with the uh, uh, Suzuki and Caulfield. If not, I can see Drew and starting on that first line, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, with Doc coming in once he's signed, I think uh, 
yeah, I could see Drouin being up on that line. And with Doc, uh, I think you're right. Monahan's probably going to be there uh, on his wing. I think he's going to be on his wing yeah. to help out a little bit. Uh, on the other side, maybe Gallagher. Um, or Anderson. Or Anderson. Yeah. Uh, I would I would prefer Anderson because he so brings a little bit more speed. Yeah. And if you put Gallagher on that third third line with Slavkovsky on the other wing, I think that's the that's the mentorship you kind of want yeah. for Slavkovsky. With Dvorak in the center as the third with as, their, as the center. third center. Yeah. I yeah, he'll cover the defensive side a little bit. Uh, that way it'll ease Slavkovsky in and Slavkovsky can watch what Gallagher does and kind of emulate some of that, that work ethic. I think he's already got some of that. He's, he's clearly a freaking beast. I mean, he almost destroyed that bike in the first day. Can you imagine uh, a six foot three Gallagher? If that's what he turns <laughs> into, oh, heaven be. Can you imagine that going to the net and being like Gallagher in front of the net? Uh, I would, I would say that I'm glad I'm not that goalie or defensive. <laughs> I mean, Gallagher's size, you could kind of rough him up a little bit, but Soloski is just going to be like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you tickle ribs. I will break you. You silly little man. <laughs> you so silly little man. Uh, um, uh, all right. So, I think that's pretty much it for this uh, portion. Uh, what we're going to do is well, we're going to the show. I, I just want to throw something out there about the fourth line. If if this is our yeah. lines, your fourth line is Evans, Dadanov, and Hoffman. Well, Hoffman, I mean, he's a defensive liability. So if Dadanov and Evans can sort it out, great. Uh, Evans, uh, Evans, Hoffman is going to be your power play specialist. They're yeah. going to want to jack up his numbers so they can get rid of him. Right now, I don't think anyone wants him. Not with his four and a half million contract. No, no. With another year on top of it. Yeah. This is no Toffoli here. So so, so there's this going back. To, I know you want to move on, but here's the itch situation. You have Hoffman. You have Druin. You have Monaghan. You have all these guys you got to showcase. So they're all going to have to play top nine minutes where there's going to be a lot of rotation going around with these lines. Um, I think they might have one fixed line. That'll be Suzuki cough. I think you'll have pairings like what uh, yeah. uh, Ducharme used to do. You'll have Suzuki always with Caulfield. You'll have Doc always with Monaghan, Gallagher always with the Borak and Evans always with Evans will be the one that's probably going to have the rotating with that enough. Yeah. So, and then all these other guys will just rotate around depending on the game they'll rotate around the, uh, the yeah. other spots and the call-ups, the kids call being called up back and forth, plug yeah. them in, plug and play kind of thing. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so I think that pretty much does it for this, the 272nd episode. What we're going to do is we're going to split this up into two shows. Um, the live on YouTube will continue, but for those of, uh, those of you listening uh, to Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, we're going to end the show here. Be sure to check out uh, the, the release following day because we're running short on time. So uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to, to us so far. Uh, if you're listening to us online and not watching, thank you. Uh, we appreciate everything you've done. Be sure to check out all of our sponsors. And again, if you're talking about it, so are we. We'll be
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.